Hosanna, a fellowship of Christians. We're on the air. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? It's nice. You keep it warm? I'm a little chilly. I wish I would have wore something more than this T-shirt. You know, <laughs> kind of regret that. <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to uh, worship this morning. We want to um, we want to let Jesus know we love Him, and He wants to let you know that He loves you this morning. So, if you feel impelled to stand up during worship, that's fine. If you want to sit, whatever you want to do.
all that you've done for us, God. And all that you're going to do. Oh
ready to raise a hallelujah? All right, let's do it. Oh, we're switching sides. <laughs> I think this side. <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> you are mine. How raise a
Good morning, everyone. And I don't know about you. I'm going to put that there right now. <laughs> wow, worship was amazing. Wow, thank you, worship team. Every week, every week. Wow. Thank you, and it's good to see all of you this morning. And to our friends online, we know there are many of you. We welcome you to Hosanna as well. The youth are being dismissed as I stand here. They're going down to their class. And if I can, for just a moment, <laughs> just talk about the youth for a minute. Um, they're great. <laughs> the kids are awesome. And so are the youth volunteers, which has been amazing. And Jared is going to be back from his break next week. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> The kids have loved all of us who have been helping, but they want Jared back. They want Bible lessons. The youth want Bible lessons. My little, yes, my little granddaughter said, Gam Gam, when's Jared coming back? And then she goes like this with her fingers. Tears. She wants Jared back. But I want to give a shout out to all the volunteers who have stepped up since Jared's been on break. Yes. From the ones who have led Wednesday night to the ones on Sunday mornings to the ones for the lock-in. Thank you, everybody. It's been a team effort and everybody did a great job. Yes. And I know you're waiting to give your offering, but some more good news. I'm going to share it right off the top. I'm so excited about this one, Meadowlands. Isn't that a sweet name, Meadowlands? Our kids, our infants, and toddlers are gonna have their own class. Thank you for stepping up and helping to split that big group of kids up. That's gonna start in February, which is next Sunday, by the way. It's so hard to believe that that's next Sunday. So infants and toddlers are gonna have their own class. All good news. and. More good news, you get to give your offering this morning. So ushers, why don't you go ahead and pass those offering buckets? Good. Also, today the adult class Gospel of Joy, a study in Philippians, will not be meeting today. They will resume next Sunday. And also, there's going to be a blood drive here at Hosanna on Tuesday, February the 8th. And I don't know if you've been hearing the advertisements, but... The hospitals are short of blood. Places are short of blood. Um, so if you can donate, go to our website and check out all the information to how to sign up for that. And also, some more good news. 
Our elders are going to be available after the service back at the beautiful cross that Harry and Penka made. They're going to be back there available to pray for you following the service. And I think that's all that I have. So I'm going to invite Tony and Joanne to come up and give us the message. In my handy-dandy little cup holder here that somebody gave me that does not have a Pringles can and no snake's going to escape from it this week. Well, that's cool. Isn't it? Yeah. Are you jealous? No, I'm just glad there's not a, a can of snakes in there. Like last <laughs> <Yeah. week. laughs> if you didn't know what we're talking about, see last week's message. We had some fun. And Well, yeah, you should tell them one of your friends called uh, from, what, a colleague called because he watched... He just was curious what we were up to here at Hosanna oh, and watched yeah. the, the video. Yeah, I had a pastor friend who just retired who decided that last week he would join us online. We didn't know. Um, he wasn't, yeah. Yeah, he was like, I thought you told me. Now you're, <laughs> what I heard you say was, wow, that was different in yes. a good way. <laughs> he wasn't quite prepared for what we do here because uh, um, God and bless. I hope he's out there. I hope he's out there again. We'll just wave and we'll just have as much fun this week as we did last week. Yeah. Without snake camps. <laughs> Jared's back. Yay. Would yes. add to that as well. Okay, we're going to start today with a rock band that once wrote a song about a girl. <laughs> surprise, surprise. What was her name? Rosanna, Joanna? No, this was a surprisingly spiritual band, you two. I love their music. And the girl they described with simple words is surprisingly awesome. You see them on the, um, on the screen here right now. Yes. Grace. What is it about Grace? Well, she takes the blame. She covers the shame. She yes. removes the stain. It could be her name. Yes. Grace. It's a name for a girl. It's also a thought that changed the world. Mm-hmm. What once was hurt, what once was friction, what left a mark, no longer stings. Because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Grace finds beauty in everything. Yeah. Grace finds goodness in everything. Wow. Grace does all that? She's a remarkable girl then. (laughs) Perhaps like our Hosanna friend with the same name. (laughs) Last week we talked about hope and we had a Hosanna friend uh, with the the name who lives that out. But we we don't always think of grace this way, do we? I mean, the word, not the person. (laughs) We call the prayer before meals grace, maybe. We might say that a person dances with grace. We might say that somebody who is handling pressure well is handling themselves with grace. But, but those words, those meanings are not yet at the core of it, are they? They're not talking about what that song's talking about. Mm-hmm. This word is so surprising with its layers of meanings. And it's so central to gospel. We said the last two weeks that gospel is true and gospel is hope. Today we tell you even better news. Gospel is Grace. Yes, definitely. Grace is definitely gospel. It's very good news. And though, although grace is a word that we Christians often use, it's also a word that defies a simple definition. In, in everyday use, 
there are two meanings that are usually associated or connected with grace. First is grace is the act of, of, of extending kindness or showing delight toward, toward somebody. And second, it's the assumption that that someone that we're extending kindness toward or showing delight toward may actually not deserve that kindness or delight at all. See, it's interesting that those same two associations, those same two meanings, are also connected in the Bible's understanding of grace. The Hebrew word in the the Old Testament for grace is hen. It's like you have to clear your throat and say hen. (laughs) Hen. Yes, thank you, Joey. You did it perfectly. What does that mean? Hen means to be inclined toward to show favor or mercy toward. This word refers to anything that inspires a favorable response in us, just because it's charming or beautiful or worth treasuring. Anything we encounter that brings us delight could be called Ken. (laughs) I'm just going to say Ken. So to find Hen, to find grace then, is to find a treasure. And it applies not only to things or experiences, it applies to people as well. It applies this word especially to people who are not usually looked at that way. So inclining ourselves toward others and looking at them with that gaze of grace, that is in itself offering grace because we're seeing them as beautiful treasure and they see us seeing them that way. This is the way this word is used actually in in you know an instance where Boaz in the book of Ruth Boaz was watching Ruth gleaning in his fields. And she saw him looking at her with And she so she saw this and she responded to him. She said Why have I found grace in your eyes? Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should notice me since I'm a foreigner? In other words, I don't deserve this. This is not how people usually look at me. What have I done that causes you to look at me this way? And of course, the answer is, and we'll explore a little more later, nothing. You don't have to do anything to be seen that way. It's grace. And if we move from the noun of that word to the verb form, ken becomes henen, verb. Anyway, uh, from a thing, you know, from a noun to an action word. What we see when we move to the verb is that grace is not simply a way that we're positioning ourselves in relationship to others, that we position ourselves this way toward others, to lean towards them. Grace is also acting with generous favor toward those who would not normally be treated that way. It's exactly what Ruth was saying. That's Old Testament, but when we move into the New Testament, there's one Greek word in the New Testament meaning grace. It's the word charis. And what's so fascinating is the word charis has four associations with it, which are remarkably similar to the Hebrew word. Charis, it's from a root word that means, guess what? To lean toward, 
Same thing, to incline toward, like the idea of extending yourself out in a favorable posture so, towards somebody else. That favorable leaning posture then, over time it became associated with the gifts that someone who was disposed like that gives. That person with grace gifts then is charismatic. That's where that word came from. And then the gifts themselves became associated with the thanks that the receiver offers to the gift giver. That led to the words Eucharist, see you, good, charist, gift, good gifting, is what it means. Thanksgiving, gratitude, and then table grace, same idea, because although we say we're going to sit down and bless our food, the, the idea is it's not really blessing the food as much as thanking the giver of the food, right? That's the third one. Then the fourth one, the thanksgiving, the thanks then became a form of blessing that was used just as a standard greeting. You know, we say hello. They would say grace and peace to you. This is, Paul uses this several times at the beginning of some of his letters in the New Testament, including plug the letter to the Philippians that we're currently now exploring in our adult Sunday school class. So of course, our biblical understanding of grace would not be complete, listen, by only defining the terms on a human level. That is really helpful as, we, as we've seen throughout this series, to look at what did the words originally mean and what do they mean now? Okay, on a human level, that's really good news. That's gospel, isn't it? But it's not complete because grace doesn't only happen on the human level because... God <laughs> is grace. <laughs> I'm going to back up for a moment here because I want to pick that up again. That's why some years ago I decided to uh, end all my email messages or all my letters with the word grace, grace, Tony, because... This, this habit in the New Testament epistles, they would, put the, they would put that stuff up front rather than at the end. But uh, that habit in the New Testament epistles of just wishing people grace. And um, grace has been poured out on me because God is grace. By the way, this is one of the most radical and remarkable and revolutionary things that Christians have said about God. The Christians have said about anything. Read, read the ancient myths. Some of you may, may, may do that. The Romans, the Greeks, the, the Greeks, the Norse, they rarely, if ever, describe deities as being grace. Their guys were doling out thunderbolts. They were taking what they wanted, taking who they wanted, striking down their enemies, scaring the daylights out of ordinary people who didn't have that kind of power. Yeah, and sometimes they were bored and they just played with the people yeah. like they were pawns on a chessboard this is not grace this is just the power and what do people do in response they were so scared of these gods that they would go to extraordinary lengths to try to keep them happy to keep Zeus from having a temper tantrum sometimes they would go so far as to sacrifice other human beings yeah. let's not just read that as historical Tragedy. Let's, let's feel what that must have been like. They would sacrifice other human beings in order to appease their gods. And sometimes, mm -hmm. this kind of break our hearts. Yeah. They would sacrifice their own children yeah. to keep the gods happy, calm. How much do you have to fear someone to do that? And then there were the Israelites. 
living at the same time, same kind of world. They struggle too with their image of God, but sometimes they got it right. And we see those sometimes showing up in scripture. They were in scripture of a God of mercy and compassion and forgiveness and of love, a God who leans in toward us with favor and mercy of a God of grace. And they wish God's grace upon each other. Their priests would often give a blessing that we sang to each other this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and what? And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. They believe God to be like that. At least some of the time. I love that that song, that version of a musical version of it, was sung all over the world during the pandemic. You go online, go on YouTube, and you'll find versions in nearly every language from around the world. And I'll tell you, when we get to the part where we sing, God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. It tears in my eyes every time. Oh, my goodness. If the world could understand that. It took me years to understand that. That's grace. Want more proof? Read Psalm 103 later today. We don't have time to unpack it right now, but here's a snippet. This is, this is a song of David talking to God. You kiss my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. Yeah. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You know, it's easy to forget that truth, even though it's in Scripture. So by the time Jesus showed up, when Jesus came along and told the Israelites of his generation about a God like that, they were once again surprised. They had not heard that before. They were blown away that God, the Father, as Jesus called him, could be like that. That wasn't what they were taught in synagogue. And so many people of his generation received that gladly and gratefully. That was gospel. It became the core of surprisingly good news. That Jesus came to not only preach, but to live out in front of us. And that the early church proclaimed, God is grace. God is for you. God is with you in the flesh. And it wasn't just about God having grace. It's not just about God being gracious sometimes. It's not about God possessing grace. This is God being grace itself. The God of grace is what Peter calls him in his first epistle. And Peter would know, wouldn't he? Yeah. The word itself, as powerful as it is, and we're trying to we're trying to unpack it, trying to make you feel it and not just hear it. It's not enough just to fully compre- to comprehend the surprising grace of God. So Jesus supplemented the word with with stories. Why is this one one of the most popular ones in the history of the of the gospels, the history of Christianity? The one about a prodigal son. He was received back home with amazing grace by his amazing father. Others would come along and try to depict those stories and depict that amazing God with, um, like this one, an ancient medieval icon of the Trinity. Now, this may not be our type of art, but man, it's, 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 it's theologically true. It tells us a powerful story. Notice how they're all leaning. Yeah. They're leaning toward each other. Yep. Notice how none is dominating the others. 
This is the persons of the Godhead in perfect, grace-filled union. This is who God is, not just what God does sometimes. And that means that, like we said last week about hope, grace isn't a thing to be dispensed by the church or anyone else. And that's been one of the mistakes that's been made over the centuries. Hey, you do the right things, we'll give you grace. No! Grace is God empowering us to do what we could not do for ourselves. Yeah. And that's why God came to us in the form of Christ, who is himself all grace. The Bible says the word became flesh and made us dwelling among us full of grace. And by the way, also full of truth, because these things are not at all at odds with one another. Grace upon grace, grace overflowing, grace personified, grace surprising us again and again by finding and creating and splashing beauty in everything. Yes. God is grace. Yes. And the fullness of the grace that God is, is expressed in countless ways, infinite ways. First Peter 4.10 calls it the manifold grace of God. Manifold. Not on a car engine. Uh, motley is what it means. Now, what does motley mean? Diverse, the varied, multi-sided, multicolored grace of God. So we, this morning, we want to highlight just a few of those many expressions of grace. And we want to start with what we're calling life-giving grace. This is God's gift of grace to everyone, everywhere, every day. This is God's abounding, universal grace given to every human being simply because that person is alive on planet Earth. That person exists. So here, grace. See, this is the grace that Jesus described in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, this is what God does. He gives his best. The sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone regardless. The good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. See, every day. What? You ain't even remembered me. Yeah. Are you nice or nasty? <laughs> both. <laughs> We're all both. <laughs> but every day, God rains grace. God shines grace. God, these weeks, continues to snow grace on all of the inhabitants of this world. We are covered in grace. We are immersed in grace. John 1 says, from his fullness, we have all received, everyone, everyone, no exceptions. We have all received grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. We have all received an undeserved gift of all of the beauty and all of the wonder of simply being alive in this world. The very fact that we woke up this morning is grace, that we breathe, our body breathes us. We don't even have to remember to breathe. It's grace, it's all grace. Because we are alive in this world, because we're in this this universe. It's full of grace, because God created it, the God of grace. And that God of grace flows grace through all that he's created. And yeah, bad things still happen, obviously. But the wonder is that good things happen at all. That's the wonder, that grace exists at all. You know, the wonder that we escape far more accidents than we experience. 
Uh, so often, what we need just happens. I like that in air quotes. You know what? It just happens. It just happens to show up at just the right time, over and over and over again. That is not coincidence. I would say that is synchronicity. God's manifold grace allows the eternal love of God, God's eternal love to touch us, to invite us, right through the wonder of life itself, beautiful sunrises and sunsets, relaxing moments with trusted friends, rejuvenating laughter around the family dinner table, freedom to reason with our minds and use our minds well. Doubt is sometimes some of the best grace that leads us to even deeper understandings and realities of God. Does that make sense? When we, we, we don't need to be afraid to ask a question. Grace gives us freedom to reason with the minds that God gave us, to create with our hands, to desire goodness in our depths, not only for ourselves, but for the world. And to know in our knower, I love that, Tim Starr, to know in our knower, there's always more to life than even those graces. There's always more grace that we can experience in any given moment it, if, if we're willing to just lean toward it, position ourselves to receive it, to recognize really those moments when we're surprised by joy or by goodness or by love or by kindness or by generosity, when we're surprised by life itself, by people. Again, it's not a coincidence. All of that is evidence that the God of grace is present and active every day, working all things together for goodness in our lives. And yes, yeah, surprise. Surprise is one of the hallmarks of grace. Because our surprise shows we didn't expect the gift. That we mustn't have been planning for it or working towards it on our own because it wasn't even on our radar screen. That's the surprise of grace. And that surprise makes the presence of the gracious giver of all good gifts so delightfully real to us. Which is just another grace. That life-giving grace is given to all people, mm-hmm. no exceptions. Yep. It's the kind of grace Christians are... But, um, What did you mean by, I don't know. (laughs) My next sentence doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) I deleted something in in between. That life craving. (laughs) Oh, this is fun. Um, That life craving. Life grace and give, life giving grace that uh, Joanne was talking about is given to all people, no exceptions. But there's another kind of grace that Christians are most familiar with, and we call it saving grace. Yeah. 
It's the grace that God gave us in the death of Jesus on the cross. It's the grace that saves us from the captivity of sin. The grace that resurrects us in the new life in Christ. It's the grace that most of our songs and prayers and even videos about grace focus on. We, we know. We checked. We, we went looking for some really cool videos. And all of them are about this one particular kind of grace. And it's a wonderful grace. But it's not the only way in which grace shows up to us. And the only way that grace is manifest. Um, it's what former songwriter and former slave trader John Newton called amazing grace. Mm-hmm. How sweet the sound. Yeah. To save the wretch like him and the rest of us. One of the things that is amazing and surprising about it is that this saving grace is like the life-giving grace that Joanne was talking about. This saving grace is for all. And it's offered to all. Yep. Scripture even says so. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. <laughs> it's there. So don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. This time we have a familiar saying around here. All means all. It's particularly significant. Saving grace is given to all. Now, not all receive it, of course. And some who think they have still haven't yet. I was a pastor, preached this for years before I really experienced grace in some way that I finally got it. And so I'm not surprised that others struggle with this. There are always those who do not trust that God's salvation is so freely handed out. Mm-hmm. Some people have referred to this as a scandal of grace. Surely we've got to work for it. Surely we've got to make somebody else earn it. Can't just give it away for free. They might take advantage of it. They might take advantage of God. We've got to protect God. We've got to protect God. Maybe God knows what he's doing. Again, Scripture makes things very clear. It is for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And he goes on to say that it's not, it's, it's not about works. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. God's surprising grace <laughs> or saving grace is surprisingly generous. Mm-hmm. It is received, enjoyed, and reveled in by everyone, by all who would dare trust in faith that this kind of grace is true. Yeah. Isn't this fun? Absolutely, the third form of grace that we want to highlight this morning is relating grace. And these are kind of our our terms, but relating grace. What is it? It's the wonderful gift of human relationship. And even more, it is the indescribable and, yes, surprising gift that God desires relationship with all of us. Yes, with each one of us, like Tony just described. But listen, grace upon grace, that's not all. God continues to surprise us by giving us the grace of each other. It's not simply me and Jesus, which is what American evangelicalism has become. Me and Jesus, and I can walk away, I can do what I want. I don't have to be associated with the church in any way. Well, we're going to see in a minute. You already are. You already are. There is no such thing as individual salvation. Now, stay with me. This is gospel, right? We're telling the truth first week in hope and in grace. The full truth. Good news. All the good news. Yes, God desires relationship with each one of us. 
And yes, each one of us must make our own choice, individual choice, about receiving God's saving grace for ourselves. That say, okay, obviously, God is leaning towards me. In Christ, God wants relationship with me. Now will I lean back? Will I say yes to that relationship? Because God doesn't force that on us. But the moment we say yes to Christ, we're also simultaneously saying yes to the body of Christ on earth. We're saying yes to the community of saints because as we say routinely, another part of the great good news of the gospel is that we once we have restored relationship with God in Christ, we are no longer sinners. Nowhere in the New Testament is a Christian called a sinner. We were sinners. Paul, grace and peace to the saints in all of these towns and all of these places, all of these communities of faith to the holy ones. That's what saints means, holy ones. We are simultaneously, when we say yes to Christ, we have relationship with God and we simultaneously are saying yes to relationship with the community of holy ones called the church. Now listen, not necessarily the external religious structure with a capital C church. What we're saying yes to is the shared spiritual family, little c, church. Pretty clear, 1 Corinthians 12, for in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. We are one. Like God, God is both singular, one God, and plural, three. We just saw that icon, mystery. But it's the same mystery that is the church. See, there's no such thing as a solo independent Christian. That is not reality. And it is certainly not gospel. The good news is that we've received the grace of interdependent, eternal relationship with the Trinity and with each other, and that heaven begins right here on earth, right now. That is amazing good news. And it needs to be preached more and more and more. So we Christians can receive this grace and live in it. We, what does it mean? It means we get to love each other. It means we get to honor each other. It means we get to serve each other. It means we can stop gossiping and, and being jealous of one another. It means that we get to give and receive grace upon grace with each other and for each other, especially through the grace gifts that each one of us have received from God. We need each other. There is the gifts that God has given you that only you can manifest or make real in this world. And if you don't do that, folks, there's a hole. There are holes all over our community here and all over the body of Christ. One more little fact. Did you know there are three named lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament? And it's kind of fun because there's one list of grace gifts, charis for each member of the Trinity. Romans 12 says these are the gifts of theos. In Greek, that's God, um, kind of Father God. 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And Ephesians 4, the gifts of Christ. He descended and then ascended and gave gifts, right? It's so beautiful. And all of these gifts and others that are, that are unnamed, that we know are all coming from the Spirit of God, they are all given so that the church may be a people of grace who reveal, who reveal the manifold grace of God to a watching world. So the question is, how did good news like this become such bad news? Could it be that so many people are leaving church right now because they have experienced anything but grace in the community of the saints? I say, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. So how might God be inviting you and me and us here to more fully experience and more delightfully share this relating grace, not only with God and with each other, but with everybody. You know, th thinking about all those spiritual gifts and how God gives them to all of us. Yeah. But how um, I'm his favorite. So am I. I think Jared has a t-shirt that said that, that says that. God loves us all, but I'm his favorite. And, and you are too. And you are too. There is always something about that, this grace, this yes. grace that where we feel almost like we're the favorite that just gets poured out on us in some extraordinary ways that are unique to each of us. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, God also gives grace that frees us from our captivity to sin. And everything else that holds us in bondage, every addiction, attraction, attachment, everything that we have given ourselves over to in bondage. Again, it's, we're using a lot of scripture this morning, but grace is all through. We want to make sure, particularly because we, we're confronting some of these cultural understandings of grace that are not biblical. We want you to hear from the Bible and not just from us. Yeah. Sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. <laughs> Yeah. Angels are singing. And I heard Yoda whispering in my ear. A powerful thing, Grace is. <laughs> so use the force. <laughs> grace, is, grace is sort of like here. I'm, I'm going to great lines. These are not Jesus illustrations. This is Tony. Grace is like Drano. <laughs> when you pour it in, it does its good work, usually all by itself. And surprise. <laughs> Things that shouldn't be there come unclogged. <laughs> I couldn't resist that picture. Dad, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's not a perfect analogy, but you know, you get it, don't you? How many of you have been freed from something because of grace? You don't have to answer that right now, but you know what I'm talking about if you have been. Here's, it gets even better. Grace is not just freedom from things. Freedom in Christ is also freedom for something. <laughs> for what? For life. Yes. Bible says, right in that same passage, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because of grace, we're free to live the life we were always created to live. The life that sin had held us back from. I'm tired of miserable Christians kind of ruining the whole grace message for us. <laughs> When we live in grace, when we live on the other side of the resurrection, we are free and it's a life of hope and joy and beauty and all the other gifts that have come with the grace of God. A life that proves by the very way that we live it, the truly good news of our faith. I don't want to hear your words of gospel if you don't live like gospel. Yep. 
You've been saved by grace. Hallelujah. Yes. You're not dead anymore. So live, will you? Yeah. But Tony, how are we supposed to live in grace when we're still in between? Like, we're still in between the moment of our initial conversion, right? And our ultimate completion. How are we supposed to do this if, yeah, if we've already been given everything in Christ, including his life and his righteousness, and we're already new creations in Christ, which we are, and there isn't anything that we have to do to earn his ongoing love and grace, then what are we supposed to be doing between now and then, stepping over into heaven one day? This is a question that's confused Christians for centuries because grace is such an insult to the human ego, isn't it? We just want to do something. We have to do something. How, what am I supposed to be doing? Maybe it's more about being. See, the New Testament is clear that having begun in grace, we are never to return to legalisms of any kind. We are never to submit ourselves again to the bondage of sin and death ever again. External laws fulfilled in Christ. The Old Testament, it says that. You know that? Those laws were beautiful in their time, and that would take a lot to unpack. Full of love and full of grace in their time. But Jesus fulfills the law. The law now is love. It's that simple and that complicated. We are not to return to legalism of any time. So what are we to do? Continue to live in grace. Colossians 2, Paul says, as you therefore have already received Christ Jesus the Lord, that's the part that's done. He's here, Holy Spirit here. Then continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught I love this, abounding in thanksgiving. Do you know literally what that says? Superabounding in Eucharisto. In that word we were just talking about earlier, in that good gifting, that gratitude, the giving and receiving of grace. So how are we to live in grace? By continuing the way we began continuing to grow in grace, nurturing those seeds of Christ's life that were planted in us by grace, nurturing that, and also letting go of whatever hinders us growing and maturing into our new identity in Christ. How do we do that? We just saw in a couple of other scriptures, by faith. We do that by trusting it is not by our might, it is not by our power, it is not by our works at all that we continue in this life of grace. It is by the spirit that life and growth continue to happen. We don't have to make it happen. We just join in what's already happening. Are we together? So what we do is actively partner. Let's go back to the core of grace. What we do is lean into the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, we lean into the ongoing unfolding of what we're calling God's transforming grace in and through our lives. Paul assured the Corinthians, all of us are looking, again, all, all of us, this is what's reality, whether you feel like it or not. 
All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What are we doing there? We're not working. We're not working on our list. Again, you know, I'm a prayer girl. It's not the externals. It's about the internals. This is gospel. We don't have to try to transform ourselves. We get to realize we can't transform ourselves. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit, and I'm smiling because it is such freedom. Notice what is ours to do. What are we to do? Keep our eyes and our hearts and our lives focused on the glorious presence of Christ in us and in our midst. To stay actively engaged in knowing him, not simply knowing about him. That's important. We know lots about him. All of us do. But this is about knowing him, falling more and more in love with him, and trusting that as we do, like in any love relationship, we are changed by simply being in love and being loved by another. Trusting as we do this, his grace will continue to transform us into his image with his mind and his hands and feet and his compassion as love. It is God's transforming grace that over time empowers us to do what we can't do on our own. Live into this incredible reality that as he is, so are we in this world. We've Giving you that verse every week of this series so far because this is it. As he is now, so are we now in this world. Most of these graces we've been talking about so far are rather extraordinary, but grace also shows up in the ordinary rhythms of life. Yeah. And the invitation is to pay attention to it. So we can call this kind of sustaining grace. This grace is at work whether we feel good or feel bad at any moment about what's going on inside of us or around us. When things are going well, we might celebrate, revel in grace, hallelujah, grace like rain is falling down on me. Yes. But it's when things are not going so well that we have an invitation to be even more acutely aware of grace. This is all over the Bible. Jeremiah the prophet illustrated it for us when he discovered that God's mercies, in other words, God's sustaining grace, were new every morning. Yes. That is, he couldn't, he couldn't use them all up. Every morning, fresh supply. Grace keeps flowing. Yeah. Apostle Paul illustrated this when he felt his limitations pushing against them. I'm not good enough. He heard God, God saying to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power yeah. is made perfect in weakness. Ooh, isn't that awesome? We'll probably have to come back to that one. And what was true for Jeremiah and Paul is true for us as well, which is why the author of Hebrews encourages us and says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can do that. We do that. That's why we pray. Why do we do it with confidence? Because we already know that God is grace and that it is indeed God's grace that sustains us in our times of need. Right. And... It just keeps going. Another one of the endless expressions of grace is forgiving grace. Now, we've already talked about 
this radical grace that, with which God you know, forgave and continues to forgive all of us. And more gospel good news is that now we get to share the forgiving grace that we've received from God. We get to share that with others. Paul again in Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Again, on our own, are we capable of that kind of ongoing forgiveness? No, we're not. But because we have experienced the grace of forgiveness ourselves, we can grow in this grace toward others as well, just like everything else in our lives. We can keep our focus on Jesus. We can embrace the love and the humility of our Lord who did not strike back against us for our rejection and mistreatment of him. He could have. He didn't. He didn't strike back. He let go of his right to retaliation. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I mean, he had the right, just as he was innocent. But he let go of the right to retaliate and extended to us the gift of his continuously forgiving Grace, was it hard for him, folks? We know the story, don't we? Father, you forgive them on the cross. You forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There is freedom and grace in that. He wasn't there as in his humanity hanging there saying, oh, I forgive you. Father, you forgive them. In this moment, my pain and my suffering is so great I don't even sense your presence. It feels like you've forsaken me too. But into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into his hands, we commit our suffering, our pain, especially not only what we've caused to others, which is hard enough, but what others have caused to us that we didn't deserve. This is the grace that leans toward us in Jesus and we get to embrace that same love and humility and we get to extend forgiving grace as well listen forgiveness is both an event it is a moment like the moment when we give our lives to Christ and if we can if you can remember that moment the weight and the shame of all of our wrongdoing is lifted from us in Christ. And it's also, and that's freedom, isn't it? Can you remember that? But of course, we're human. And although we're holy ones, we're saints, we're saints who can sin, and we do choose to sin. And that's the process. It's an event. It's also a process of ongoing grace because we're never going to be perfect. We're always going to need forgiving grace, and so does everyone else around us. So all of that said... God's forgiving grace, listen, it doesn't condone wrongdoing. It doesn't eliminate the consequences of anybody's actions. It doesn't give anyone a pass to use or abuse anyone else. But it also can't magically restore all that was damaged or taken or lost from us. If we, if we lose a loved one, because like what's happening now, the violence, there can be justice in that sense. 
There can be forgiveness in that sense. But we will not see that person who died until we step over onto the other side. Are we together? This is tough stuff. And yet it's still grace because sometimes, yes, forgiveness does involve actively seeking restitution. Absolutely. But forgiving grace actually is not about the other person. It's not even about what they owe you. It's about you. And it's about the person that you want to be in response to the pain and loss. That you want to be someone more and more like Jesus. Lots to talk about there. Perhaps through, as we go through you know, this series, uh, excuse me, this year, and gospel, we can talk about the gospel, the good news of forgiveness, more. But all to say today, forgiveness is the grace of being able to let go of the anger and let go of the bitterness inside of you that is limiting your life and your ability to receive and enjoy and live in the universal glorious grace of God, to be free to let go of the pain of what that person really does owe you, to let go of your right to retaliate and turn it over to God, trusting that God's the only one who knows what real justice looks like in your situation, and that somehow God is graciously going to, by grace, give you far more than you lost, not exactly this, a replacement, but far more in ways that are going to surprise you in gratitude for giving grace. Thanks for hanging in there with us yep. th through this long list. We, we had a much longer message. <laughs> than we, and we could be here all day because this is the heart of it. Yep. But what we're trying to show you is that gospel like grace is better than, like gospel, like, like, um, like God. Mm -hmm. Grace is far better than we've imagined. Yep. Whenever somebody gets mad at us here, it's usually because... They think we talk too much about grace or practice yep. too much grace. Yep. We've had okay. people leave the church about that. We're just skimming the surface here, but let's move because time is almost yep. up. Let's mention one more kind of grace, which is the kind we experience as we look toward the future. We might call it trusting grace. It makes, us, it, makes it possible the kind, of, the kind of hopefulness we talked about last week. It's the kind of grace that allows us to proclaim along the song 23, which we also sang this morning a little bit, that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. Grace is a table prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. Notice that this grace is not just looking toward heaven someday after I die, that's included, of course, but also all the days of my life. Yeah. And all means all, yet again. Yes. Sometimes his trust in grace, by the way, shows up for us as the grace for waiting. To wait for what we long for, what we pray for, which, by the way, is much like what God is doing. Waiting for us. An incredible patience and great longing. Mm -hmm. We're never really going to know how grace is going to sneak up and surprise us in the future. But we can live trusting what John Newton said. His grace hath brought me safe thus far. Yeah. And grace will lead me home. Yeah, so let's draw this to a close, even though we don't want to. And let's draw it to a close by summarizing, okay? Because God and God's gospel is grace, we are graced, as we've heard, and can be grace givers. How do we do that? First, 
by leaning, we get to lean toward God. Look again at Rublev's Trinity icon and notice something. The circle of the Trinity is open. It's not closed. Do you see there's an opening at the table right there front and center? And that's intentional. There's an opening at the table for the viewer to approach, sit down, and join in the leaning of their grace toward each other. To experience the mystery of them leaning in grace toward you. Wow. Paul told the Ephesians, right? We are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is a picture of that. We are now seated in heavenly places. We are now seated at that table. We are now participating in the wondrous, unimaginable grace of the Trinity. And we'll grow in all grace as we make this our conscious prayer. To daily imagine ourselves seated there. Watching them, listening to them, growing in love for them, deepening in our desire to be transformed into their gracious, glorious, humble likeness and image in all that we are, in all that we do. We live this out by not only leaning toward God, but also by leaning toward others. I, do, do you want to be that kind of person, a person of grace? Some years ago, I concluded that I wasn't. Not with the way that God had called me to be. And I prayed that God would make me good and gracious and gentle. I still pray that. But um, I got an email this week that made me cry because it suggested that at least to some degree, some of that, that prayer had been answered in me, which was, made me feel really good. I suspect this is a common hope among those of us who have been broken open and healed by the grace of God. We desire to become people of grace in our relationships and particularly in the body of Christ. Yeah. And if we let it, grace will do that in us. And by the way, a compliment to all of you. I believe this is why so many people have walked through those doors back there over the years, met all of you, and remarked to us with an amazement yes. at the sense of grace in this room. Absolutely. In your eyes. Yeah. It's true. Let's keep leaning into that. Lord knows it's rare enough these days. Yes. And the world needs it. Yeah. And then third, so we lean we become graced and grace givers as we lean toward God, as we lean toward others, and as we lean toward the world. And everyone in it, just like God does, especially those who have not yet received saving grace in Christ. We dare not cancel somebody because they refuse to pray our prayer in the moment we want them to pray our prayer. God's still with them. God's still inviting them. We need to continue to be that sweet-smelling fragrance of grace, inviting them as well. We become grace givers when we stop judging others and simply love them. When we become Jesus with skin on toward them. When we offer our lives as he offered his, broken bread, poured out wine, when we're willing to strip off everything that actually separates us from other people. If they want to separate themselves from us, their choice, they're free to do that. We are not free to do that. Strip off everything that separates us from each other, from them, and become vulnerable like Jesus did and kneel down and lean toward them and wash their feet. Go and do likewise so that they too might want to actually lean toward that Jesus. 
and maybe risk approaching him and maybe risk sitting down at the Trinity's table so that they might receive the manifold grace of God and then pass it along to others. Amen? Thank what you. once was hurt, what once was friction, Yes. what left the mark, no longer stings. Because yep. grace makes beauty out of ugly things. And grace finds beauty in everything. Yes. And grace finds goodness in everything. We can't do a message of grace without asking you this question. Have you received this amazing grace? Yeah. Had the things that once left a mark on you been soothed and healed by the grace of God? Have you allowed grace to do that good work in you? Yeah. Has the ugliness that once lurked in your spirit been made beautiful by the grace of God? If not, we do have good news again today. We have gospel. Grace is amazing and grace is true and grace is offered right here, right now. Yeah. And every minute of every day. Please, please receive his grace and be surprised at what grace can do. Yeah. Grace will always surprise us. Yes. Surprising grace, by the way, is so awesome that we thought the best way to end this service was with a surprise party. <laughs> Yay! Yes, we maybe even got cake. cake. Da, 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 da. That's a picture of what's in the foyer right now, waiting yes. for all of us. Sugar. For all of you watching online. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> Our apologies. Surprise yourself with something that reminds you of grace. While we have cake. Um, we're going to enjoy that and enjoy each other. But wherever we're at, wherever you're at, wherever we're at, let's enjoy this God of surprising, amazing, yeah. incredible grace. And if you'd like someone to pray with you about any of this, just go in the back. And there's some people who will be more than happy to pray with you. To give you grace, to, to you help grace. you find grace. Yeah. I'll show you what grace yeah. looks like. And thank you for the grace of your time. Grace and peace. Amen.